0: Fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWear Kill Guard Studios. Hey, 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 what's up, Bass Edge Nation? Welcome back to another episode. Man, it's great to have you here on this early November show for Bass Edge Radio. Man, finally, we are back. We are back in Texas. Happy to be here, man. It's been a long, long summer on the road, but, uh, super stoked to be back here in the studio um and actually we're already starting to work on some updates we we started taping you know bass edge here on youtube just earlier this year after many 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 years of being available in audio and we still are spotify itunes all those great streaming podcast platforms catch us on those audio but but again you know started here on youtube earlier this spring and uh, we're going to continue doing some updates to the studio here. So we're excited about that. But um, man, they are going to come together over the next few episodes. But uh, as always, Bass Edge brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. That's right, Keelguard, providing you protection from abrasive rocks, concrete boat ramps, grinding sand, debris on those waterways. Don't be without MegaWare heel guard on your vessel that would be a huge huge mistake. And of course, uh Megaware products make great gifts for uh I know a lot of bass clubs have an angler of the year ceremonies and this kind of things coming up over the next several months and also Christmas. Uh, we'll, we'll get into more holiday uh Megaware information as as time progresses, but uh man, it's a great time to look at what you've got this fall and get ready for winter time and next spring. Wintertime's a great time to add some uh, products to your boat. So concluding today's episodes, make sure you go on over and browse keelguard.com. Take a peek at the additional products besides keelguard that MegaWare m- makes. Some of them uh, becoming more and more popular, of course. You know, you've got the FlexStep, uh, easy way to get in and out of your boat. You've got the Scuff Buster. Uh, protecting that bow eye area of your boat as you're you're, uh, loading your vessel. Of course, the Skeg Guard, man, I can't tell you how many people I know that have saved some money by having a Skeg Guard. And the newest product out of Megaware is that Battery Guard. Man, this is an awesome uh, cushion or uh, savings for those lithium batteries. I know a lot of guys running lithiums now. Um, You know, they really help with the uh, impact those boats can take you Know hitting waves, uh, even driving up and down the road, hitting big bumps. So, protect those expensive lithium batteries that everybody has out there. But, uh, Keelguard's got uh, the greatest products. Check them out, keelguard.com. Of course, MegaWare, that primary company there. Man, it is official. We talked a little bit about this last episode. Uh, we were wrapping up our last episode as as the Harris chain on the Bassmaster EQ system. The last event of the year was just winding down, and uh, it is official: Bass EQ qualifiers that are going to compete in 2024. I've heard a couple people say this already. Some of the maybe the the most ready rookies ever going to be coming into the elite series for 2024 they went through the nine event gauntlet it was uh it was a, a season like you know rookies have or, or qualifiers have never seen before on the BASS open side but JT Tompkins John Garrett Trey McKinney Robert G Wesley Gore Tyler Williams Kyle Patrick Ben Milliken and Logan Parks and, and big shout out to uh I know John Garrett and Logan Parks, man, they've been on this for a long time, making that step, uh, looking to get into the Elite Series. And as promised, we're going to have a new EQ qualifier on today's episode of the Featured Angler. And we've got John Garrett that's going to come to us after the break. He's going to talk to us about his 2023 season, as well as some of his preparation for 2024. And of course, he's going to bring us some fall fishing tips and tactics, so you don't want to miss that. You're going to catch some more bass in the month of November by hearing what John has to say. Man, The final 2023 regular season with NPFL just took place on Lake Lanier. Crazy enough, I just talked about this in our last episode. Uh, We brought it up that Patrick Walters has been having huge success throughout the Elite Series year, but also over there at NPFL. He gets the W in that final regular season event there at Lake Lanier, winning another $100,000. I mean, just listen to these numbers. His winnings this year alone, 2023, between the BASS Elite Series and the National Professional Fishing League, 473000 bucks. Man, he won 236000 in the NPFL, 237000 in the Elite Series. Man, I just wonder how many full-time anglers are going to start looking at the NPFL now as a potential uh, revenue generator, having more events. You hear a lot of guys saying, you know, well, I'd like to fish some more events. I'd like to add some events into my schedule. And and at this point, for Elite Series and, and Bass Pro Tour guys, you could fish the uh, Toyota invita- or excuse me, the Tackle Warehouse Invitationals, But those are hard to get into for the Elite Series guys. But it looks like this NPFL really doing a great job of scheduling around the elite series and, and giving those guys an opportunity to fish. So man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many anglers might jump in to the MPFL next year after uh, Patrick Walter's success. But <clears throat> also want to give a shout out to uh, Will Davis, uh, Will Davis Jr., the elite series rookie in 2023. He got there by winning the national championship on Pickwick with the Bass Nation last year. He's the first angler ever to go back-to-back, which I couldn't believe this, but but saw that that stat and the first angler ever to go back-to-back in the Bass Nation. And the reason that's so amazing is because every year the champion re-qualifies. He's able to fish again, so... I don't know exactly how many years, but I'm going to say it's probably been at least 25 or so years that this uh, event's been going on, and and this is the first time Will Davis Jr. becoming a back-to-back champion, so congratulations to him. Um, So he will actually take his classic berth through the Bass Nation Championship, and that got David Gaston, who was the first man out on the Elite Series uh, AOI standings, into the Classic for 2024 over there at Grand Lake in Oklahoma. So, interesting stuff going on there uh as many of you know i mean it's just major announcements with mlf changing around the bass pro tour uh future outlook and they are going to be reducing anglers for 2025. so this is going to impact uh the 2024 season and who qualifies to go forward and fish the bass pro tour in 2025. um i believe most of the anglers are going to take their shot at qualifying in 2024 for the 2025 Bass Pro Tour. The the interesting thing is only 50 anglers will be fishing in 2025, so that's going to leave many longtime pros basically looking for uh, another place to fish. And let let me just tap on this real quick. Um, Those qualifiers, the 50 qualifiers, will consist of, because there's been some confusion, I think, and let let me just clear it up for everybody, consists of the top 35 in career AOI average of of the 80 anglers that fish the Bass Pro Tour currently. And then the top 10, after those qualifiers are announced, will come from the 2024 Angler of the Year standings. And for the remaining qualifiers for the 2025 Bass Pro Tour, those five will come from the Tackle Warehouse Invitational Series. So for me, my thought is several MLF Bass Pro Tour anglers will be making some tough decisions on on kind of where to fish, you know, moving forward. Do they stick with MLF, try to re-qualify for the Bass Pro Tour in the invitationals? Um, Do they go to the bass route? Enter uh, the Open's EQ division, attempt to qualify for the Elite Series there. Uh, we've seen several anglers do that. Jason Christie, Greg Hackney, uh, Bobby Lane almost did this year, but there's a few others. Uh, Justin Atkins went back to the Open's, re-qualified for the Elite Series. So a few guys that, that potentially have that possibility or, or the uh, means to do that. But maybe some decide to fish the NPFL, man. I don't know where this NPFL is going to come together, but they're in a really good spot for 2024 and 2025 to kind of increase their awareness, their presence within the industry. Um, They've they've got something going on there. And by nature of these other organizations kind of doing some shifting could could capitalize, but it looks to me like really some rough roads ahead for several well-established full-time anglers in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. We'll see how that shakes out. The um, BASS opens, the uh, EQ division did have some significant changes for the 2024 competition. Uh, More live coverage I think is the number one thing uh, that's real beneficial. Uh, Second thing that I think is real beneficial is increased off limits and no information rule. They're going to a 14 day off limits and no information period prior to the events. Uh, They are having a slight increase in entry fee. By 200 dollars per event really nominally for an eq angler over nine events not a whole lot of cash there but the great thing is they're increasing the payout to 45 anglers they're going to pay 45 anglers down in the field and uh the bottom 45th angler based on a full field is going to double their money at four thousand dollars payback so that that was uh great to see um i think it, uh, quite possibly making this even a more viable way for uh, established anglers to jump into the EQs. Uh, I think the long-term, uh, more mature or, or longer established pros like the off-limits period, of course, so um, I, I think that you're gonna see maybe some more potential for anglers moving in that direction from the BBT if they choose not to fish the Tackle Warehouse invitations next year. But we're gonna keep everybody uh, kinda in the loop on what's happening there. Um, there's so many things that could be changing. What's interesting is just the, you know, there's nothing that's real structured that stayed the same over the last, you know, five or six years. I feel like throughout my time in bass fishing since, you know, the early 2000s, it's kind of been that way, but I don't see, we've seen the tumultuous situations come up like we have over these last five or six years. It's been uh very, very, very interesting, but, um. As I mentioned, we're going to keep everyone updated on the happenings and what's going on with the tour changes, where anglers are fishing, and what they're looking at doing. Um, make sure you check out. Probably, the, it is the last major event of 2023 going on right now. We've talked about it here last episode. Mike McClellan did a great job of of discussing, you know, some fall fishing techniques, specifically some with Table Rock and that that uh, Midwestern territory of how he thinks the Toyota Championship will go down. Um, The winner is going to get $200,000. I know I've mentioned this on about the last three podcasts, but but man, you know, that is just a huge payout. Uh, It's the third largest payout of any tournament within bass fishing uh, as far as the major levels in BASS, MLF, or or now maybe I'm going to throw in the MPFL in there too. So uh, we're going to see how that goes down. Make sure you check it out on mlffishing.com. Uh, there is one final uh, classic birth to be recognized. That's going to be in the Bass Team Series coming up later on this fall. So uh, don't don't forget to uh, check that out. And man, I, again, I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast and and uh, jumping on with us on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, like, comment, uh, all kinds of fun things we're doing. Make sure you watch that YouTube to get the stream. If you're listening to the audio broadcast right now, you can check it out on YouTube. Or as always, man. For since 2009, we've been on the audio channels, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, basically any of your favorite podcasting platforms. So uh, be sure to check us out right there, man. uh, It's great to be back here in Texas. I gotta say that. Stay tuned because after this break, we are gonna jump into our feature angler spotlight, 2024 Bass Elite Series rookie. John Garrett joins us on the show. We're going to be back in a moment. Y'all stay right here. Boo! More Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The Keel KeelGuard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour. Providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original keel guard the pros have picked for 25 years MegaWare Keel Guard. Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline. The joint of champions, where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Hey, 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 here we are back with Bass Edge Radio. And like I said, it's great to be back in the studio in Texas. Um, it's really great to have a feature angler spotlight with this guy right here on the screen, John Garrett, John, man, it's awesome to have you here on the show. 2024 BASS Elite Series rookie. How does that sound? Dude?
1: Sounds better than the Bass Opens Pro. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. appreciate you having me on and uh, you know, we, we're going to talk about other stuff, but that first 15 minutes that you had, there's so much going on in the fishing world right now. We could talk about that stuff for hours, yeah. Um, but yeah, but glad to be on with you for sure. Yeah,
0: man, I appreciate you being here. We love to dive into uh, a couple rookies rookies uh, joining the Elite Series the following year. It's been great to uh, kind of, I've, I've kept my eye on you. I know a lot of people have because you've been so dang Close several times, but uh, let's talk a little bit about where you came from to let the listeners know kind of where John Garrett you know evolved from, more or less. But man, your media story begins early in your career back in 2016, college bracket champion. Man, obviously a huge deal there. You attended Bethel University. I think at that time, probably the forefront of bass fishing universities. Uh, there's so many other universities involved right now, but but did it look like you know if you look at your your um, fishing performance and where you've been, it looked like you jumped right into a full slate of opens in 2017. Right after that, and and were you still attending Bethel University at that time?
1: Yeah, so I won that college bracket as a freshman in college. Wow. Um, so I was one of the youngest. <laughs> I was, I might be the or one of the youngest people ever fished a classic. So I won that as a freshman. And when you fish the bracket, you sign a contract and you basically have to fish the opens the following oh, year. Wow. Okay. So I did fish the opens. I, I missed a couple of them, but yeah, so I juggled the opens, my full college fishing schedule to keep my scholarship. <laughs> I tried to pass my classes. I can't say I passed all of them, <laughs> but, but I try. tried my best. Yeah,
0: that is so cool, man. Um, That, that had to be a, just a whirlwind year. But man, jumping into it like that, getting that experience, I'm sure it was kind of an invaluable deal. But so it looked like you took off 2018, 2019, probably got back into uh, back into the classroom a little bit more. But still fished, uh, obviously, your, your college events and uh, did pretty good. So you made a national championship on the MLF side uh you know did did some good things over there man do you feel that that early year on your opens kind of helped you did did it hinder you because of the schedule was so crazy kind of getting to this reality of the elite series now moving into 2024
1: yeah I, I will say that that first year of the opens kind of made it like i fished it and realized that really and I, I had another podcast where i said the same thing I, I feel like that i hound this subject but college fishing directly correlates with that Bassmaster opens or the mlf toyota series it's like okay you have so many great guys whether you're fishing against a team or individuals in the opens or toyota's but when i first before i even fished the opens i was like man it's like don't know if I could compete at this level. And really, if you have some success through college, you jump into the Opens, it's like – it's almost directly correspond. So all the guys, you know, like myself, and you talked about Logan, like all the guys that came through college that had success, they had basically free experience. I know at yeah. Bethel we did, that. you know, travel for our tournament. So we traveled the country – and you could just basically say practicing for that next step in fishing. So the like I said, opens, Toyotas, and college fishing almost directly corresponds with the same level of talent for sure. Wow.
0: You know, let I'm gonna jump back a sec because it kind of threw me off. You were a freshman when you won. Um yeah. the, was ma'am. I mean, you're obviously fishing in high school. That's why you choose Bethel University. Mm-hmm. You've got this passion for bass fishing. Was that, you know, did you almost think like that was too early? Or did you think that was good timing? And and how, how does it got I me? Mean, what were you, 18, 19 years old?
1: Yeah, 18, yeah. So I'll be honest with you. I, I started a high school fishing team. This is how old I am. I know they're just, the high school fishing wasn't, <laughs> huge when i was in high school I, so i started a team my sophomore year we kind of developed it my junior senior year um fish like the very first ever Bassmaster high school events wow. uh, my last couple years of high school and mm-hmm. jumped into college and had that early success winning in the bracket and i kind of knew when i when i won that event going into the classic that realistically i had no chance of playing with the wolves of the fishing industry. (laughs) Like I was a little kid and, you know, and you know, I, before I went to that event, I told myself that, Hey, let me sit back. Let me enjoy this. Yeah. I'm going to fish as hard as I can, but I really did kind of soak it in for that classic experience. And I'm glad I did that. Um, looking back at it, I, I learned a good bit about the industry, you know, making connections and that sort of thing. But I took that, that experience is, let me enjoy this as much as I can. And then, you know, after that tournament, I got a taste of that classic stage. I'm like, man, I I could really get used (laughs) to seeing that. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, that was nice. I would like to get back for sure. And that's kind of when I took my attitude in college, like, okay, let me get, let me try to get serious about this. Let me try to right. get as good as I can because I skipped this earlier in high school. I didn't really think that hard about fishing professionally or going to college and fishing. Um, had a little success in high school. And then the coach at Bethel University, Gary Mason, literally just showed up to my granddad's shop when I was working one day and offered me a scholarship. So I was like, all right, I'll try to go to college. I never thought about <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll see about it. And, and and your bass fishing
0: there, so it kind of extended that too. So it made, made a lot exactly. of sense, exactly. Yeah, Mate, yep, you I'm sure of that the camaraderie in that time frame. I mean, you got Tristan McCormick, obviously, with the Bethel, uh, Cody Huff. Uh, I'm sure there's others you could, you could name, those yep. are just a couple off the top of my head. Do y'all still like stay in touch and and um. I don't want to say work together but kind of, you know, bounce stuff off industry-wise, oh. business-wise, fishing-wise and and kind of stay in in a groove with
1: each other that way. Absolutely. And when we we're in when we were in college, you know, we like you said Bethel was like the powerhouse of bass fishing, college bass yes. fishing at that time. Yeah. So Gary had the pick of the litter. It was like, you know, he's like, dude, that guy's good. Well, when Gary reached out to you, like, I'd like to play football for Alabama. You know, I want to go. I want to go fish there for sure. So me, Cody Huff, Cole Floyd, KJ Queen, like Cole Garrett Andrews, Brian Like, There was so many. That's
0: crazy names right there. Yeah. Right? I
1: mean, just crazy. And, yep. And we all got there at the same time in that 2015, 2016 time frame. Um, we all got thrown basically into a house from different parts of the country we all just love to catch bass so you have seven or eight literally some of the best anglers across the country coming together with different backgrounds different techniques and all we did was talk bass fishing we learned so much off of each other and we kind of formed this pact when we would go out to a college tournament when we get back at night we're going to talk about everything we did, everything we've seen. And with four different boats on the water, yeah. we would break down a lake like that. I mean, instantly, whether it's something that Cole Floyd found out or Cody Huff or me, myself or Brian. right? Somebody was going to crack a piece of the code that first day. And we learned so much about bass fishing those first those four years at Bethel. It was unbelievable. And now... That we're kind of taking our steps into professional fishing it's like yep. like you said like how's the how are you treating you know the industry in this aspect or you know how's it working with this sponsor how's this going like we end up i would say leveraging things off each other nice. that way it's like you know don't settle for this but take this and yeah. then you know cole has a different schedule than me and cody have so right you know, if, if Cole's fishing a tournament on, you know, somewhere the Bass Pro Tour is that we don't have a tournament, Cole's like, dude, I found something out that was legit on this place. (laughs) We voice, you know, we still voice each other, you know, each other, all these things. And even though we're apart, we're still helping each other learn and become better anglers just every time we talk to each other.
0: Man, I think, you know, when I grew up, that was something that You know, maybe I had a a guy in my local community. Uh, I had a great friend, Tony Black, uh, you know, that I grew up fishing with in Virginia. And uh, we used to bounce off everything. We started fishing the opens. But really, we didn't know that many people. You know, we knew some people. We didn't talk. You guys, and and now with high school fishing, uh, the platform, the college fishing platform, you are so much more in tune because you have kind of formed these relationships so early and you kind of take these steps together it's, it's really cool to see so uh congrats on that and i'm happy to hear that you guys still collaborate because i think a lot of times in bass fishing and, and tell me if you feel like this as well you know guys get i don't selfish you know they just get kind of oh, yeah. selfish on information or industry knowledge and, and it's hard to acquire that information to create a successful career in the
1: sport. Yeah, absolutely. And I hate to put it this way, but I think it just what it boils down to is not a selfish jealousness, but it's like, dang, it's like you're almost jealous of like, man why has Patrick Walters won four major tournaments this year and I <laughs> haven't, you know, so why has he won 450 grand and I haven't, <laughs> right, you right, know, it right. it, it kind of gets to the point like that. It's like, you know, more as you kind of progress, it's like, you want to do more things, keep to yourself, do things for yourself. Sure. And besides splitting that piece of reward pop with all your other people, with all your yeah. friends, you know, yep, um, but that's sense, some, but yeah. Yeah, and that's something we've we've always kind of like, hey, like, Cole helped me get here. I helped Cole get here. I, Cody helped us both with this. So it's like we're going to keep each other in loop, and hopefully we're going to all scratch each other's back equally throughout our career. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see, man.
0: All right, let's go back to, uh, uh, you, you know, you jumped back in the Opens in 2020, yep. kind of did the school. Con- did you graduate in 19?
1: I think that was the deal, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I did you, not fish in nineteen, and that's when they took the MLF Bass Bassmaster split happened, or whatever right. whatever year that was. Yeah, that was a year I did not fish.
0: Yeah, 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 nineteen. So, but but twenty twenty, man, consistent finishes in the AOI standings throughout different divisions, uh, four seasons, some thirty plus tournament Bass Opens. You're a Bass Elite Series angler now, and and I know that man, that had to be hard to just keep pushing through, keep, you know, positive attitude, keep, uh, you know, keep sponsors maybe going. I know you've got a good little sponsor, you know, been there, but um, what can you tell the listeners that evolved for you over those 30 tournaments, over those four years that allowed you to kind of become full circle and and accomplish this elite series bid?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll start with saying that you're right. It's just, it was so tough mentally because yeah. it's like, graduated college, you cannot make a living fishing the Bassmaster Opens. Right. It don't matter how good you do. Like I had a great year this year. I won like 70,000, which isn't I, a lot. I added and it up.
0: It was nine five. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. I mean, by the time you spend 35,000, you can't live off 30,000 in a year. Just can't do it. So mentally it's very challenging more than anything because I, I was like one or two or three spots out every single year. And it begins to wonder in my head, like, Kurt, like, am I supposed to do this? And right. like, you know, I know at times I have all the confidence in the world, but sometimes on the water, it's like, you question yourself. And then at the end of the year, you come up this short and you start to wonder like, well, is that a sign? You know, am right. I supposed to, you know, lay concrete or roof or am I supposed <laughs> to do something else besides <laughs> right. hold a hold a fishing rod? And it gets to a point where something needs to happen to support my family, support my wife, my kid, and the Bassmaster opens is I'm not saying it's not it completely, um, but it's it's a hard road. Um and really I guess one of the biggest things that just kind of kept me going was I would look back like at other options. I don't I got, want to sit in a desk play. eight to five. I I don't want to drive a semi truck. Like I don't want to do that hard labor, and I really want to bass fish, and I don't want to let down the people that have supported me since college, sponsor wise, family wise, and and like far as my wife and whatnot. Yeah. Um, just to keep going. So, eventually, you now thankfully it, it broke through. I know for a lot of people it doesn't, um, but just my mindset this year was a little different um, about, you know, being strategic on the water, having confidence all year, and learning to do what I'm really good at and not doing what you're supposed to do at each fishery, I think is kind of what pushed me through for this year. There you go. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, what
0: it is that, that John Garrett likes to do out on the water. But you talked a little bit about, you know, the financial drain, the the toughness of staying in the opens trying to make it a portion of your living because you have to with, with spending that much time doing it nobody, nobody's gets you know 10 weeks off of vacation or, or some or at least not not generally unless you know maybe you're working for family or something like that that those things can happen which are great if, if, for for anglers that are in those situations um how did you particularly just just to give knowledge to listeners overcome those difficulties that, that you talked about. It's, it's not, uh, the opens is not a way to generally make a career. Like you say, you make 70 K in a year, uh, you're spending 45 to 55 easy. Five easy.
1: W- where does that go? Where does that go? Yeah. So the way I kind of just set my, basically my life the past few years, like, let me work as hard as I can while fishing the opens to get work hard enough for my sponsors where I can at least get my entry and my travel covered. So I was working hard on that aspect of it and also ran a duck hunting guide business in the winter. So starting December 4th, I'll be working 60 days straight to January 31st. So I love the outdoors. I love to fish. I love to duck hunt, something that I always done. I had to figure out something to do to support basically everything and Whatever. a two month time frame when I'm not bass fishing. And that kind of came out to uh, duck season, honestly. So that was their two month off time frame. I love doing it. Um, so yeah, so I run a duck hunting guide business outside of my fishing you know, aspect of stuff. Too. So is that
0: something that you grew up loving? Like duck hunting was a thing for you, uh, you know, through high school yeah. and, and your college days?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, my granddad had a Amazing granddad. He was he owned a marina at UNC Marine, so he sold boats for a living. Right. He basically sold boats, caught fish, and killed ducks for a living. (laughs) And every weekend, sometimes when I was in school too, if it was warm enough, we were going fishing, and if it was cold and during the winter, we were going duck hunting. So I grew up as hanging on to my granddad's pocket. If he was throwing a rod, (laughs) I was throwing a rod, and if he was shooting ducks, I was shooting ducks. That's how I got into that.
0: I think a lot of people don't understand the commitment uh, outside of just the fishing part that, or in the sacrifice that it takes to fish the opens. And and I'll say that in the Elite Series, the Bass Pro Tour, uh, the Tackle Warehouse Invitational's, all of these series that you have to put that much time in to have or try to have some success, folks don't understand that there is a a element of each of those anglers that's making this. Push to achieve this goal that is so sick, right? Like that—that that we will do so many things to just get to that point that ninety-five percent of other people aren't interested in making those sacrifices. And I—and I, and I see that with your duck hunting, sixty-some days uh, straight, and and that kind of thing, and and how you've been able to come come together for that. So I think that's a great. Uh, information for folks out there of how that can be done, and really the mental uh, dedication that it takes to do that uh, portion of the yeah. thing.
1: Um, I was uh, not to cut you off, but I was. No, yeah. Talking to my, I was talking to my wife about this same subject, right? And I told her that, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. That I love bass fishing this much, <laughs> right? <laughs> because if I would have put all my time and effort. And the amount of time and effort really into anything else, we could probably be millionaires. Absolutely. Honestly. Yeah. So and we're chasing such a small dream with such a little reward payback. Yeah. If we spent this amount of talent and time and energy on something else, we could be probably so successful in whatever we try to do. Because honestly, looking back through everything, this might be literally one of the hardest things to make a living at that you could possibly do.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's it's a wild deal. Yeah,
1: yeah I talked to My wife
0: could tell you the best patterns for me to go fish table rock in the fall. She would, she could just start spinning. Oh yeah, maybe you should throw a buzz bait or a plopper. Maybe, maybe throw a shallow crab. I mean, she could just start throwing, <laughs> because she's so like for 20 years, that's, that's all she, I mean, I don't say that's all she's heard, but she's heard it a lot more than she probably wants to hear. Oh, (laughs) for sure. But, uh, all right, man. So as your career, you know, over the last six seasons, uh, you've seen a lot of changes in the industry. You, you, we talked about that right out of the gate, you know, especially uh, the, the past 12 months back in 2019, but man, it seems like every year, you know, there's some changes within the industry. What opportunities first do you see as a professional angler? Um, and, and, Have any of these changes through this time frame kind of intimidated you or uh, scared you off or tried to scare you off a little bit from having a career in this industry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I have not been doing it as long as, you know, for sure you have or a lot of the other guys, but even, I'm going to say when I started this journey and when I made the classic in 2016, it was just in this eight year span. It was so much easier to, make partnerships and, you know, get your foot in the door with companies then. And now it's just, it's so hard. You know, we got more professional anglers than ever, but we also have more fishermen. It's just, it's so crazy what the fishing industry is right now and how hard it is as us anglers to make a living strictly off the fishing industry. Um, it It's really hard. And, now eye opening because I always had this, I don't know, inspiration or hope in my head that once you make the elites that um, it all opens pocketbooks that yeah. it all opens up. <laughs> and it's just not true. I mean, you know, people that I've been working with literally since 2016 they've stepped up some, but those new relationships, like it doesn't matter where you're at in your career. I feel like you have to know and talk to the right people and have a connection. Doesn't matter if you're fishing in college or high school or the Bassmaster Leeds or Bass Pro Tour, you have to have a personal connection with somebody to be able to get your foot in the door with a good lasting partnership. Yeah. And that was kind of what opened my eyes up the past four or five months, is in me trying to get things ready for next year. Right. It's not easy, not easy for anybody from what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, so, intimidating is definitely, um, it's for sure intimidating uh, because it's like, okay, I'm at this final step of making the elite series, but ends aren't meeting like they you should. Haven't, you haven't
0: got to like the final step yet, John. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's like, no, but, but yeah, I, I totally do. But it feels like, okay. And, and I get why even mentally that would come out of your, you know, come out of you because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm here, right. I'm at the top. I'm at the pinnacle of the sport. I'm in the Bassmaster elite series. And um, you know, it took all of this to get there. And and what's crazy about this is I'm I'm great friends with Brian Schmidt. Uh he's had a good last couple of years, but man, 20 months ago, at the end of the 2019 or the 2022 season, it was like, Am I gonna be able to stay in the Elite Series or not? And and it's like so As hard as you've worked to get where you're at today, it's going to be that much more work to stay and succeed. And the the great thing is, though, if you do this again now on this next level, the flower will open. You know, the the money will start flowing in for you. That's for sure. So it's, uh, it's interesting how that works. I think a lot of people on the outside, you know, looking into the fishing industry don't understand that process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, when you're trying to get that extra money or extra this or that to support you through the year, you hear, you know, leading up to this year from everybody, I'm not putting anybody on the spot, but it's yeah. like, well, you know, make it to the Elite Series, we'll talk, or, hey, budgets are tight, or this, 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 and this. And nothing's changing um, for us as anglers, I feel like in that aspect of things, because, yeah, in the whole realm of the fishing world the term and angler that people that we're reaching such a small portion of people that buy fishing license is going forward is how big of an impact do we actually have you know because you know the 50 million people that buy fishing license how many people are tuning into bass live out of those right. people and, and buying products that we sell so I can't blame anybody for the spot that us pro anglers are in, except for ourselves putting us here really. Um, sure. but yeah, it's, a it's a pretty crazy world that well, we're trying to make a living in for sure.
0: So thinking of diving into the EQs for an angler down the street from you, um, you know, considering the obstacles, maybe down the street from me, whoever it is that's, that's thinking about diving into, you know, this profession or this tournament fishing career, um, maybe something you overlooked that you realized during your journey. Um, now looking back at your time in the opens, what, what's one or two things that, that you would give advice for someone to have uh, similar success to John Garrett?
1: Yeah. So like I said this earlier, and it's basically everything has came down to this year is first off, Put your time in and work literally as hard as you can work and making yourself a better angler. Because you look at some guys like Jordan Lee, for example, like I feel I'm not saying he doesn't work arcs. I know he does, but it's like right. I feel like when he gets in the water, fish jump in his live well that <laughs> right. easy. He just goes over somewhere and just catches them like crazy. That's not me. Like I have to work so hard to make things you know meet on my end. So if you have that talent or gifted talent, like was saying Jordan Lee has, like, that's great. But if you put the time and effort in, you can make it happen yourself, whether you have that special gift or not, and then realizing, what am I good at? That's what I did this year. So this year, I worked as hard as I've ever worked on and off the water for that success. And I literally stu- stuck to what I was really good at all year long, even though if that's not what you're supposed to do at that type of fishery. Right.
0: Right. Let's talk about that before we're going to get ready to go to break, but but it's a great segue into, you know, some fishing talk we're going to do after the break. Well, what is it that John Garrett leaned on this year? What, what are your fishing strengths that you felt, you know, you were able to capitalize on throughout nine different, you know, BASS opens
1: to to get to an elite series qualification. Yeah, I I really like to fish offshore more than anything, and I was raised on the Tennessee River, so I have that just thought in my head that there's a magical spot on every single lake, which is not the case. I mean, it is the case, but you know you never find it really. But right, I I grew up looking for schools of fish that other people are finding, and on all the other lakes i go to i transitioned my offshore fishing for schools into fishing for offshore just residential fish Mm -hmm. so i was fishing a stump or a rock or a stick like something that is barely off the bank or way out in the middle that could hold one fish and my thought process like hey i got i got three days four days to find 15 fish houses really whether it's 15 stumps or whatever it's holding a fish so I just went and fished for individual bites in practice and in the tournament but offshore instead of trying to do that on the bank because as you know 250 guys not much gets untouched on the bank you know there's five there's a laydown. down <laughs> yeah for sure you know most all good looking laydowns have a fish on them the first day of practice so my thought is let me find that, but submerge. Let me find mm-hmm. that off the bank and try to find as many residential bikes as I could find. And that really worked well everywhere we went this year. I'm not so, so sure if it can't work at all times throughout the country because right. when fish are supposed to be shallow, I, you know, everything lined up to be shallow. I would look shallow just off the bank shallow at some yeah. of the same cover and now transition from 40 foot to two foot of water. But individual fish offshore is what i did all year long very cool very cool well it worked
0: worked magically man we're going to take a a quick break uh we're going to give a special thanks first to bass pro shops as an associate partner here with bass edge radio bass pro shop reminding you we all live downstream we're going to return with some fall fishing tactics with 2024 Bass elite series rookie john garrett right after this message Come on man, let's roll! What the... Sure. To catch the fish? You need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control, so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new Megaware Battery Guard. The battery guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The battery guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at Megaware.com. all right here we are back with some more bass edge radio we got uh, 2024 elite series angler john garrett with us on today's episode in the feature angler spotlight first half of the show we got to know john really kind of picked his brain on how he went through the Bassmaster eqs this segment of the show we're going to talk about fall fishing how we can catch more fish in november Here we go, John, man. I got to say, it seems like many anglers are becoming more, you know, seasonal, right? Just just in general, like hunting is season, September, October, November, December. Uh, Man, it seems like bass fishing is really just becoming a seasonal sport, you know, like February through June. And then it kind of tails off a little bit. Man, I I think fall is a great time to be out on the water. Mm -hmm. I want to get your opinion on how you like to fish some in the fall but but right now what can you do in the fall fishing and taking time spending it on the water that's going to help you in the primary tournament seasons of of january through july say
1: yeah for sure and like you said it's fishing is definitely seasonal and we all see it when we start fishing come january and february the fishing is tremendously better. Everywhere you go. And I think it's because they get a couple months off from seeing our baits. I really do. And, you know, fishing in the fall, you can learn so much about what the fish do and about the fishery. You got so many places are at winter drawdown and learn a lot about the lake that correlates to, you know, your tournament time when the water might be up. And in the fall time, it's really about bait fish really. So you learn a lot about where the bait fish travel. Um go move up and down the water column, up and down in the creeks. And you know, as you know, that all the shad and bait fish are super reliant on oxygen. So you got some bait fish that run to the back of the creeks. Maybe there's some cooler water back there. And you got shad that's been living deep all year coming up in the water column to get cooler water or get some sunlight. And that kind of correlates to after the winter time phase when the shad start moving in the spring and the fish start moving up. So I kind of consider getting in this early to late fall, early winter, a really good warm up of that early in the spring fishing because a lot of fish are going to be migrating in and out of the same ditches and drains and same places, and the shad shad act nearly identical than they as they do in the fall and early spring too. So it's a it's a good learning period to learn about fish behavior and the your lake, you know, on winter drawdown. So
0: yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that about shad behavior and how they'll they'll utilize, you know, what they're utilizing in the fall right now, they'll they'll utilize those same places and you can find those same fish that were, you know, feeding on those shad maybe spawning in some of those creeks yep. or coves that that were real uh real good in the fall. Uh, another thing I like to do, just throw a quick tip out there here, like at Lake Amistad, you know, the best grass later in the year is going to be your best grass early in the year. So I also think that's another great, uh, you know, thing that that anglers can look for that can spend some time out on the water in the fall. That's going to give them advantage in the springtime. John, what are your three top lure choices for the fall and not necessarily how you're going to work them, but what is your strategy in using them to locate bass in the fall behavior patterns?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really, I'm not, I don't travel a whole lot in the fall. I'm kind of local. So I'm on Kentucky Lake and Pickwick and love throwing a big topwater, whether that's a, a walking bait or a plopper style bait. A lot of these fish, they get up shallow on bars and banks and flats. And as you know, fish love to feed up in the fall, and I just love catching some on top water. So I would say a big top water, maybe a lipless crankbait as well to be able to cover water and imitate some of the smaller shad. And sometimes I I like to flip a little bit some shallow wood in the back of creeks on flats boat docks. So I'll say a top water, a lipless, and probably a flipping bait.
0: Very cool. Let, let's break those down a little bit. You talked top water on shallow ledges. Um, what do you see that the fall behavior transition is to those ledges, kind of when that occurs? Do you have like some key water temperatures or or how do you identify that movement? Is it, is it just by trial and error? Just help the listeners a little bit, you know, kind of guide them and how to maybe get on that style of bite on their local lake.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, especially on a river system, TVA included and uh, other rivers, is when you have a lake that has ledges on it, 98% of the year, those fish are going to live around a ledge or a a creek channel. And this time of year, those giant gizzard shads and the bigger yellowtails or thread fins, they've spent a lot of time out deep in that cooler moving water and they're starting to come up. So all they do is elevate up the ledge and get on top of the flats. And that's what those big large do and smallmouth that we don't see a whole lot through the year. I mean, you hear a ledge fishing and it's all great when the fish first get out there, but they first get out there on top of that stuff. And then they slide off into no man's land and they're hard to catch. So those fish are kind of dis- been disappeared for months now they come up on the shallower water and they're basically fresh fish again for the fall and those shad really get up in that basically couple inches to two foot of water where the sunlight's hitting the bottom you start to get some algae on some of those shell beds and some of that harder bottom those big gizzards and thread fin feet on that and that's where those bass stage up so you have giant main river flats and you either look for the high spot on the on a deeper one like if it's a four or five foot ledge you look for a high spot if it's super shallow one less than two foot you look for indentions so you just look for places that you know as you know flats are where they feed but if you look for a place they sit that's that's the gold mine for sure so they're just following the bigger bait fish and those bigger bait fish live near that river system almost all year that's that's a
0: that's great detail thanks for thanks for that let's let's yeah. dive into that lipless uh that was your uh yeah. bait choice number two lipless crankbaits uh has lipless really come to the point where you can use it effectively on forward-facing sonar or or is this more of a shallow flat scenario or, or how do you use that lipless crankbait in different scenarios
1: yeah. I mean, I, you can use it. I'm not necessarily targeting the fish on forward facing as much as I'm targeting the structure. Okay. Um, a lot of that is kind of, you know, on those flats, but as you get in some of the creeks or on the main lake banks around where I'm at is they tend to feed on the smaller bait fish, really shallow mud flats um, with hard spots, um, creek channel bends around the bank. But that lipless is something that, you could cover a lot of water and that, like I said, again, they're feeding up. So you're above their head, kind of get a nice reaction bite and just all around a great fall time lure it imitates a small shad and you can cover a lot of water and fish it in a lot of different scenarios. Like it. Like it. Yeah. Uh, retrieve wise. Do you play
0: with that a lot or, or do you have a specific retrieve that you feel like works most effectively effectively for you?
1: Yeah. Um, it like you're saying you're on Amistad. Like if I'm around some grass, I love pumping it. I love trying to get, I love trying to get that bait hung up. That's kind of the key when I'm fishing grass. And then if I'm fishing some hard spots or just mud bottom, I throw it out, rod tip up, and I'm just winding it over everything. But if I'm fishing hard stuff or the bank, I'm keeping it above the cover. And if I'm around some grass or a steeper riprap bank or something, I like yo-yoing it. Very cool. All right. Great stuff. Last,
0: last one you talked about was flipping a little bit, sounded like pretty shallow. I think most people ignore how shallow fish get this time of year. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and, and what makes this flipping bite work for you?
1: Yeah. So back to what I was saying about some of those flats and, you know, a lot of those fish get on that, get on those mud flats in the back of creeks or on really flat main lake banks. And they roam around up there and chase shad. And if there's literally a stick, there's going to be a fish holding on most of those Mm -hmm. sticks. It's just a little piece of cover. They can get behind a little shade. And a lot of times they're so shallow, you can't wind anything by it if it's not a little top buzz bait or something. So I like getting up really shallow, kicking up mud and flipping a little creature bait or a little jig or whatever. It's just, that seems to be more of what people think is a springtime deal when the water's warming up, but it's also when the water's cooling off. And those fish get, there's a certain population of fish that gets super shallow in the fall that kind of get ignored around most parts of the country, I would say. Right, right. You
0: know, uh, there's a, you know, the fall fishing, I think a lot of people start talking about fall in September, you know, Late September, mid-September, you start getting that bait fish rising. You start getting some of those gizzard shad, you know, moving off that deep stuff. And and all of a sudden, you start to get some movement, maybe some schooling fish. You you start to see these changes. The days become shorter. Water temp starts to cool a little bit. Man, I think so many people give up on fall fishing so soon, they never realize the magic of fall. What where do you see the magic begin? Is it is it a water temperature deal? When I when when I say magic, you know, when fall fishing gets good, you're catching, you know, usually fifteen to thirty fish. Some sometimes you can get into a back of a pocket and and crack 40 or 50, right? Um yeah. so wh- what is it, where is that time frame? Cause I think we're approaching it right here, this first part of November and, and on as we get into. It. And a lot of people have put everything up. Right, we talked about that earlier. What is that magic that happens, and what what is that scenario you see that comes into play that
1: fires it off? Yeah, I, water temperature has a huge impact on it, I would say, and I think the later in the year it is, like if it's warmer, like we've had a pretty warm fall, we're just now hitting our first few cold fronts. Yeah, the longer that progresses. I think the when the water finally cools off it makes it that much better. And I, I see that happening around that 55 degree mark. Um oh. yeah, it it uh still got a top water feed going on and those fish know like dude, winter time's <laughs> coming. I need to eat. And once you get below that like 48 degree range, okay. And they're almost like okay, it's winter time. Right. And you start right. seeing fish go off deep. They the bait goes deep. I say from that 50 to 55 degree range, you see a major feed up in our shallower realms of the fishing world. Um, and most people have hung it up, but th- those fish have a natural instinct. I need to feed up for winter. Winter's coming. And all those bait fish, a lot of the bait fish are up shallow and whatnot. So I would say the 50 to 55 degree range Um I'll, we're creeping up on it. You're right. Yeah. It's happening yeah. like right now. So I, I'd it's say a water up. temperature is a really big thing. Yeah, this last uh, two or three days
0: of October and, and this first day of November, when you saw those, I, I don't know if you've watched or, or talked to Cody uh, or, or Tristan. I know Tristan's up there at the uh, yeah. Toyota Championship on Table Rock, too. They spent a couple mornings in the 20s. So, uh, yeah. things, things definitely cooling down and getting into that magical level, but it's great. You were able to provide the listeners with, with some of those keys of, of your behavioral change that you see that, that makes that happen. Um, last thing I want to ask you is, is, uh, cause you know, I think the Northern parts of the country are going to start seeing this real soon. And that's that transition between that magical fall period, which to me only lasts two or three weeks. It's it's yeah. kind of a short time frame because the water temp starts to cool and then it just plummets right and it and it's a short zone even you mentioned about a seven degree zone right there between fifty five and forty eight um, when they start when you when it starts to cool into those high forties down into the mid forties um, how is it that you go continuing to target fish that you found in the fall behavior pattern do you have to change tactics and just slow down a little bit? Or do you have to completely move
1: areas and look for different cover structure and depth zones? Yeah, so, you know, you get in those same areas because a lot of those areas that are good in the fall have deep water access nearby. That's kind of all year round you have that. I have this saying where fish winter, they move in and out of drains. So I say they winter in drains, they follow drains in but they follow points out. Mm -hmm. So that's what I kind of like to base my stuff on. So if I'm fishing in fall or early spring, I kind of picture my bass highway in drains. So I'm looking for places that are deep between shallow areas, whether it's a Creek channel or just a ditch between two points. That's where I base my stuff. And it seems to stand pretty true is that they move in through drains and out on points. So that wintertime fishing is basically the drains and creek channels and river channels near those flat areas that you found in the fall. Very they scary. may move a good bit, but generally, if you had an area that was good in the fall with bait fish, those fish will be nearby, deeper in the drain.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you talked about it earlier, maybe, maybe coming right back in the spring if it's, if it's a yep. big population of fish. And have a good population. So fishing in the fall can lead to a successful spring on your whole body of water, for sure. Yep. Man, John, it's been so awesome having you here on Bass Edge. Man, we're obviously, we're wishing you the greatest success on your first Elite Series campaign in 2024. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners before we close down the interview today?
1: No, I don't think so. All uh, right. Look forward to, uh, I'm sure we'll be doing more of these in the future, and uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on absolutely
0: where where can folks catch you on instagram or or youtube um do, do you do you have a consistent youtube channel right now
1: i do not have a consistent youtube channel unfortunately um but i do have a facebook and instagram with john garrett okay. fishing so they can follow along there
0: awesome yep. man that that's uh that's great to hear there you go guys uh john garrett man again really appreciate you being here we're going to be right back with my closing thoughts John, have an awesome winter. We will see you next spring on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be after this message. Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champions. Where performance meets play. A big water beast, a pure machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of
1: power when they're on the water. There is a better way introducing the charge marine power management station from Powerpole, that does the work of three devices a traditional battery charger a charge on the run and an emergency start system power pole charge
0: hey hey what's up everybody back here bass edge radio your host kurt dove man some closing thoughts on what i thought was a fantastic interview with John Garrett um uh, and John John brought the goods on some fall fishing it was it was also great to hear his story about how he came through the uh, college series and then into the open series and now a bassmaster elite series pro man if you liked this interview don't forget to hit that subscribe button like button comment below let us know what other anglers you'd like to hear from here on bass edge radio man it's it's uh it's always fun not only learning more about the in, you know kind of the the uh growing up or the uh background of a lot of these anglers but but also man it's just great to hear their fishing tips and tactics for the time of year that these shows are taking place uh I'll be using some of the uh, tips that John gave let's let's talk about a few of those um drains in the spring points Moving out in the fall, I thought that was a huge tip for uh, anglers to to look at something and kind of get started uh, trying to locate bass in the fall behavior pattern. Uh, You're going to see this behavior pattern from now all the way through about mid-December, depending on exactly where you are in the country. But uh, John also had a great tip there on when that premium window is. He likes that mid-50s even into right at 50 degrees, he feels like that's when the fish are really active and, and are really feeling the the pressure of winter coming and and them wanting to put on that fall feed bag. So uh, that, that's typically a great time of year to go out and catch a ton of fish. Sometimes they can be sporadic. So you've got to look a lot of places, but I feel like when you find them, They are there and they're ready to be caught. They are very, very active fish. Um, But it's dependent because of that shad orientation, just like John talked about. They're just shad oriented. They're wanting to follow these shad in and out of these creeks, really feed up for the fall. So if you find that that magical area, keep moving fast. Don't stay in one spot waiting for the fish to come to you. Keep checking different backs of creeks, different target zones, flats. I really liked how john also talked about the topwater bite lasting into the 50s uh, a lot of people put that away a little bit too early i feel like john likes to keep that out even as the temperatures are into the 50s in the fall but also that lipless crankbait man what a great tip there that's a that's just a, a fish catcher and uh, if you're struggling and can't find those wads of fish you're still gonna find Like John mentioned, those isolated fish on wood in the back of creeks. And that's how he qualified for the 2024 Elite Series. Finding isolated targets on these pressured bodies of water, big fields in the Bassmaster Opens, and he's able to find isolated areas where he could go pick up a fish here or fish there. He called it a fish house. So he's, he was looking for 15 fish houses for every tournament out there. So that was, that was a great way for, for John to kind of explain what was going on. Been talking about events coming up. Man, It's the season's winding down right now. That Toyota Series Championship going on on Table Rock Lake. Go check that out at mlffishing.com. Uh, I mentioned last episode the NPFL possibly having a championship this fall. Well, they just announced their 2024 schedule. The championship from 2023 A.O.Y. standing is going to be in March 2024. Still having that tournament down here where I live at Lake Amasad. So that's going to be the first championship that they're going to put on in that tournament circuit. Like I say, I really think the NPFL is in a great position to pick up some anglers here of the next you know, 18, 24 months moving forward based on a lot of changes through the other organizations. But, um, man, that kind of wraps it up. We're going to watch that stuff. We are going to uh, check out what's going on in the fishing world. We're going to talk to some more anglers about plans for 2024. Man, I didn't want to dive into the MLF changes too much. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that more as things progress. Because what I'd really like to know is what happens in 2025 going into 2026. Where do those anglers stand and how are those... Uh, requalification process is going to be are they going to continue to protect the aoy average guys over the years of the bbt or will they start going back into a majority of the current aoy standings being a part of that tour moving forward in 2026 but um uh, man be sure we're going to stay on top of it stay tuned here to bass edge radio we're going to have a new episode uh what is it? november 15th is going to be that next episode we're going to be studying up continuing late fall fishing strategies looking forward to another feature angler spotlight hit that subscribe button you don't want to miss another episode of bass edge radio adios we'll see y'all next time